You can get in your fancy yells, you can drink them by the flagon, but the only food for the brave and true comes from the green dragon. Hello, hello everyone, and welcome back to another Kylie's Around the World SBG Tour. And let me tell you, I am knackered. I have just come off four games from the Nova Open uh, Singles, their grand tournament, and man, have I got some absolute bangers for you all uh, today. And yeah, coming in, coming into this tournament, I, I was already super excited, super hyped. Uh, energy levels were absolutely peaking for this because... Uh, yeah, I was looking uh, after the doubles uh, and, and uh, getting the second place in that. Uh, I was super looking forward to absolutely going going crazy uh, in the singles and, yeah, getting some really fun games in. As is the recurring theme for me, I once again uh, woke up a little bit hungover coming into the singles. Uh, the bartenders here at the hotel are making the drinks a little stronger than I would uh, normally uh, be used to. But hey, we managed to at least lessen the blow with some absolutely amazing uh, uh, Indian uh, uh, last night. I got a, a nice little tali plate uh, that I uh, was uh, uh, really, really happy to, to, to absolutely devour. Uh, remind me a bit of uh, the local cuisine back home uh, in, in our in uh my home suburb so yeah it's uh well yeah let's get into some games sorry i'm, I'm this is how tired i am my, my thoughts are kind of all over the place uh but first of all let's just dive straight in my first game was against avery in capture and control this is round one and avery had uh he he had a very interesting army very strong front to back the the game uh our old veto system as well so roll for the pool uh and then veto a uh scenario out of the pool uh my opponent i believe from memory uh vetoed uh breakthrough and uh i decided to get rid of domination because i like my army nice and close together so i wanted to run straight at my opponent down the guts so to start off with uh my opponent put uh didn't fully commit uh i was right up on the center line uh leaving a big nice juicy gap for the emperor to run through uh, and, and made sure Rutabi was in a strong position to follow up. Now, first turn, my opponent, Miss Priority, comes in, uh, locks, sacrifices, I think, a handful of wags to pin Rutabi and the Dragon Emperor in place. But uh, I probably heroic combat through the wags and get in a good position. But as I've also heroic combated and uh, got a couple of kills on my warriors. Now, the interesting part here was over the next couple of turns, Brogy threw some uh, tremors at uh, Bolg. Now, all of these tremors failed. They all got resisted. You know, Bog didn't even have to spend any might. Just threw all his will, just bounced every single one off like it was going out of fashion. So really, really good stuff there from Brogy. Taking off some resources. Would have liked to see one go through, maybe at the dismount or something like that. But hey, at the end of the day, knocked off some resources. What more could you ask for? Uh, Brogy uh, kind of hovered around the side, and I tried to hedge my bets using my acolytes with the piercing strike to really kind of push the advantage. Uh, I went hard on on the right flank, and I was cracking through pretty well. Even managed to one shot uh, one of the uh, hunter rock captains that was trying to uh, come through. The pits of Dolgador Legion being really nasty too, so I was wondering when the surprise came 
was going to come down. And eventually, this prize did come down on kind of the mid-game coming through. It was on the turn where he got the fluke one-shot kill on my uh, my, my single Wardrake on, on the left flank. And Brogy and Rutabi were in this really awkward position where uh, Rutabi looked like he's going to get charged from Azog. And the Emperor was in a good position to, to go kind of uh, kind of forward. Now, the Emperor had previously, previous turn, got Blade Wrath from Brogear on his last point of will. Went in, won the strike off against Azog. Uh, both of us having to use a point of might to get to the six as well as the strike. And won the roll off on the Elven Blade, which was always nice. Got in, uh, got four wounds up on Azog, and he was able to pass both his fates to survive in one. So... Real close call there for uh, Azog dodging that bullet, but hey, that's sometimes how the cookie crumbles. Unfortunately, the next turn, it meant the surprise attack meant that uh, Azog could get in, pin in Rotabi, and definitely get the charge and kill on her. So, yeah, looking a bit rough. Azog called the heroic combat for free, and I did try and do a sneaky thing where I copied it to see if I could stop Azog from moving, but the interesting part here was Azog rolled high and I managed to get the six from Rutabi uh yeah just just straight up roll it with the three dice and the two rerolls so Hazard was in this tough choice of well does he spend both his might to win the combat at which point he'll be now out of might because of all the strikes and stuff he's called and the right moves or does he opt to uh take the loss and copy it now Hazard at this point is on one wound so he wisely spent both resources went out of might across his board Ducked Azog back out of the gap, didn't bother recommitting him into the Emperor. It was just too big a risk, which I think was the absolute correct play here. Azog ducks off to the side, and I really push in. Now, at this point, my opponent did have majority control of the objectives, but I was banking on the one-turn grace I get with the Courage Test, I'd be able to get in and secure some more. So I managed to secure the right flank uh, on, on this critical turn. I, I cut through a little, uh, little hole through the lines, managed to get three miles on the objective, and basically use control zones and stuff to force Azog to charge an Acolyte out wide. And then even if he called the heroic combat, he couldn't get in and kill all of the pikemen on the objective. So I managed to secure the right one. I had my back one. Again, dice were not being kind to me on the center, and I only managed to turn the center back to neutral at the end of this turn. So it was, it was looking a bit dicey. He could have even gone my opponent's way, but... Fate had another thing in store for me. So we played one more turn, and then the next turn, the first the, the, the first turn we have for the roll, the game continues, and Azor takes his courage test for the first time that game, double once, and runs off the board. And at that point, I saw like all the gas was out of the can at that point. I'm like, beautiful, let's go in. Uh, my opponent did get a little unlucky trying to end the game early. Uh, there was three opportunities uh, where it could have been a minor loss instead of a major loss, and all three opportunities went my way. I even uh, used my cheeky little army bonus to force one of the uh, times where the game would have ended to, to be re-rolled, and I managed to walk away a 10-0 win uh, in the final scenario, so that was absolutely amazing. Unfortunately, I couldn't quite convert the far left objective. I was just being hammered on that side, and... Uh, Thrain and some Hunter Rocks won the combat on the last turn, so not much I could do there. Uh, but all in all, a really, really fun game. Absolute hanger of a game to start off the tournament, and uh, I wish Avery all the best of luck, because he, he pushed pretty well here. He, uh, yeah, I think the game would have been very different if Azog hadn't have, uh, failed that absolutely monstrously bad uh, 
process at the end there, but uh, yeah, that's just sometimes how it uh, how it goes. Now into round two, I'm up against uh, Samir. Now his Samir I hear is actually quite the player. He's very capable, and he was playing Assault on Lothlorien. I know, bit of, bit of a bit of a oh no kind of moment because he's Assault on Lothlorien did have the tools to take mine down. He had Drizag, Muzga, a Shaman, and a Captain on Warg, uh, and he had. Four spiders, two bats, and a model count of 52. And I was a bit worried because this is a lot of guys. Uh, just an absolute, uh, an atrocious amount of guys. And yeah, we had capture and control is what we ended up playing into. Uh, my opponent was like, yeah, I'm not playing Reckon Warrior against uh, a drum. And I went, I have no desire to play Storm the Camp against uh, all of those pesky goblins. So yeah, capture and control, we, we were it is. And now... I had an interesting choice. I decided to put Ratabi and her warband of Acolyte and the Wardrake off on its own and put the, everything else with uh, uh, with the Emperor. Now, I marched, I was originally going to march straight at Muzgar to go try out the big piece, but after a while I went, hang on a second. There's no transfix on Drizak's side, and I think I can navigate my way around some of these platforms and stuff. So I ran straight at Drizak. Everything went at full speed. Rotabi uh, kind of like ducked behind these rocks and stuff to, to kind of get into a decent position. And yeah, lines clashed. Uh, his, my opponent's shooting and throwing offense did absolutely nothing. They did bubkiss. All they did was kill a single archer uh, on, on the way in. And from Assault and Lothlorien, that that's pretty good odds for me. Uh, once we clashed into combat, this is where things got really interesting. So... On the very first turn, uh, there was this really interesting uh, enrage, uh, enraged bat into Rotabi uh, with a trap at the back with the spider. And yeah, Rotabi managed to like shrug it off and, and get a uh, friend into peel off. But what was interesting was the second turn after that initial engagement where Rotabi was basically on her own fighting the captain. You know, she dehorsed the captain that previous turn. But this turn, when she got charged by the enraged bat and the spider. Druzhag actually didn't go for the enrage this turn, sorry. Uh, it wasn't an enrage back. He went for the fury so that he could definitely get in and navigate around the drake, because the drake at this point was protecting Rutabi's back. And the drake is on a 40 mil base, so if the spider gets into the Rutabi, he's going to have higher fight value against Rutabi and have a good chance of chipping off a good chunk of wounds here. I, however, did have some play in the back of my, uh, in my back pocket. I was able to sneak Brogear. Oh no, that's right, Brogear into a little, little mini combat, and with his last point of mind, call a heroic combat, push through a gap in the lines that was left there from last turn, and peel off the bat from Rotabi. Now Rotabi at this point was transfixed. The double shamans did their job, got uh, got the transfixes through, and. Uh, yeah, I managed to peel off the bat, and although uh, uh, Rotabi took a wound from the spider, she survived pretty well, all nice and healthy. So, not every day of the week where you see two shamans, Brogir and Drizag, run into combat to call heroic combats to try to set something up. So, yeah, absolutely marvelous play there. And then, but 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 the the uh, the, the the stairs don't stop. No 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 no. This was just round one. Of many many rounds at trying to kill Rutabi. So second turn, Rutabi 
uh, once again, gets transfixed. He's basically been perma-transfixed for most of this game. And Drizag once again sets up this uh, nice little engage around Rotabi. I, I lost the roll-off. Uh, my opponent went first. And this was the absolute genius thing my opponent did. This time, the Shaman didn't try to transfix Rotabi, but went to transfix Brogi. Now, you might be asking, why? Why is my opponent trying to transfix Brogi? Well, the big one, remember how I said Brogi and the friend ran through a gap? Well, that gap was now actually my detriment. The transfix on Brogi meant I couldn't get another model through the gap to peel uh, through the newly formed gap to peel off the bat swarm. So all my opponents, orcs and stuff, were able to get in, lock up all the other Eastlings around, and leave it again. So once again, there was a spider, this time in rage, and a bat swarm in combat with Rotabi. And Muzgar still got the transfix on Rotabi, of course. But yeah, this this one, this was like another warrior now. I was trapped, but copying an enraged spider who wins me on fours, rerolling ones, that's not exactly the place you want to be. Unfortunately for me, I did win combat and the spider absolutely completely, uh, sorry, I lost combat, but the spider completely fluffed its to wound rolls, rolling nothing higher than a three. So bullet dodged there. And yeah, this is where the game really, really turned up. So I was umming and ahhing whether I, I commit the dragon in for a forward into the middle, even though my opponent had archery. And I figured at the end of the day, there's only one bat left. I have priority. So I threw the Emperor in uh, and was able to essentially peel off all the other combats. Even though the Emperor was trapped, I was able to heroic defense and basically shrug off every attack that went at the, the Emperor this turn. Yeah, my I managed to get a clutch six on the jump test with one of my pikemen to go in and peel off two. Uh, the cavalry, a couple of my cavalry models went in and picked up another couple. So in the end, you know, a couple of prowlers, they're really good at trying to kill the Emperor, but uh, when they're CC'd, uh, sorry, when they're trying to cut through the fence, they're going to have a really hard time. And I was surprised my opponent didn't go for the Palakun. There was a pretty decent chance he could have killed the Palakun just straight up if he had to throw everything at the Palakun instead of the King. But I do respect going for the VPs. Always going for the VPs is always a play. So at the end of that turn, I was in a really strong position. I'd collapsed pretty much all the beasts. I'd finally managed to kill all the bats too. And yet now was the cleanup crew. And I felt a little dirty halfway through. Uh, the game did end on the uh, first roll, but I decided to force it to be re-rolled so I could try to pick up some more extra victory points, which I did. I actually managed to pick up another whopping seven victory points in this game. So I ended up winning this game 11-0 instead of what should have been a much closer. I think it was 5-2 or 5-3 at the end of the day. But yeah, hats off to um, uh, Samir in this game. He really did. He did. Uh, his use of the beast was absolutely masterful. And I think if the dice had just been a little bit more hot for him, you know, maybe he gets two, three more wounds on Rotabi and really frees up the shamans to you know start locking down other things like the emperor and stuff like that it could be a much interesting game one other slight extra thing i will mention i did throw up a channel of fury this game and didn't get a single save i keep throwing this fierce channel fury up and it's not working it's not working i can't i can't pass fury saves to save my life not, not ever not once anyway anyway musings of a very tired and strange 
uh, Game Girl. So anyway, round three. Now this game I was super looking forward to. I had drawn Matthew Iverson from the uh, the uh, unfinished uh, unfinished tales. No. Um, oh jeez, why can I not? It's because I'm so tired. That unfinished tales podcast. I'm gonna go with unfinished tales. It's not. No, is it unfinished tales? Look, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna look it up. In uh, uh, after after this podcast, and I'll, maybe I'll add in a little edit at the end of of uh, what it actually was because I'm, I'm I feel like I'm losing my mind right now. It's yeah, um, wow. Uh, all right, okay, okay. Uh, uh, anyway, the game. I was up against Matthew Iverson. He had the, the eighty-two model Goblin Army, Goblin Town Army in command the battlefield. Now, I don't know what I was thinking when I opted for Command the Battlefield. I probably should have opted into Old Ground rather than Command the Battlefield. I think this was uh, just a really dumb settle for me. But I, I, was, I was thinking stuff of like, oh, maybe I could get the, you know, infinite line of sight uh, with the Emperor Standfast and do some shenanigans. But I'm like, it wasn't until after I started playing the game that I realized, hang on, if I'm taking Courage Test, I'm probably in a lot of trouble right now. So... If I'm ever at that point, I've probably lost the game anyway. So, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. So, for the first time ever, I actually lost priority in a Maelstrom mission. I know. Shock horror. I've, I've won priority in every other Maelstrom mission I have played in my journeys across the across the world this so far. So, going, going second is quite a new experience for me. Now, uh, Matt came on. Uh, Scribe came on, and a captain came on, the mercenaries were off the board, and the Goblin King and Grinna both didn't come on. The Goblin King ran, rolled a natural one, and Grinna minded down the two to a one. Now, I had an interesting choice. I, I threw Brogir's dice, and Brogir, uh, you know, got got a solid four, and I, I had to think here. I'm like, the only way my opponent really can win this is if, uh, well, not really can win this, but can, like, basically secure this is if the scribe gets going and just starts putting models everywhere so i came on broke it right up suicide position near the scribe and through the tremor straight through the scribe and like five other models scribe failed the resist i got the wound through failed the fate bang dead scribe turn one what a start to the game this this was the moment that happened, I, I, I saw Matt's face. He was like, all right, we have a serious game to play right now. And yeah, this was a serious game. Retabi came on to make sure Brogid didn't just suddenly get ganked. And I threw up once again the Channel Fury after baiting out the uh, Channel Tremor. So it forced uh, Matt to go a bit more wider. Threw down the Fury, figuring I need every single model I can get in this game. If I can save one, even two models with Fury, that is absolutely 100% worth it. And this game was absolutely insane. Uh, I will say, straight off the bat, that Matt's rules knowledge in this game, his way he was uh, creating different um, scenarios and, uh, uh, where he was leveraging the, the, his, the, the special rules and stuff that he wanted to leverage was absolutely masterful. He was climbing up sides of buildings and stuff and forcing me to chase him. And after I chased the first goblin and realized this was a really bad idea because if I fail... Uh, if I uh, back away, which I'm pretty much always going to be a back way because he's always defending because he's elevated on me, uh, 
I was going to be in real bad shape because the moment I roll a one, two, or three, when backing away on on that kind of thing, uh, I slip and fall and take extra strength uh, strength hits. So that was that was really spooky when I came up. But I had a plan: it was whittle down the goblins, break them, and then basically just try and force the game to win. Now Grinner uh, rolled another two on the next turn, and uh, Matt opted to spend the might point to bring them on the board. Uh, spend both uh, Grinner's might points to bring them on, on the far side, because he had no goblins on that side. The Goblin King had come on near uh, where the captain and the scribe was, so everything was kind of on that, that the, the north side of the board. There was nothing on the south, and I had the drum coming. Uh, the Emperor had rolled a one, so I still had him on the board. And once Grinner came down, I saw where it was, and I'm like, yeah, happily spend the, po the point of might on the three, bring it up to the four, and then ambush Grinner right in his face. Everyone, hyper aggressive, let's just run at Grinner, run at his warband, and try and mop up these goblins. But they, they were slippery little, little buggers. They kept slipping up and getting up on top of buildings and making me chase them. But eventually, after like an hour and a half of chasing this goblin army around the table, which were pipering shots, playing through the, the, the limited four archers I had, and all these little, the, every little micro, micro, every little kind of throwing weapon shot I could get, I finally managed to kill these goblins and only lose a couple of models in exchange. And this is where the game became really interesting because there's still enough goblins on the table with 40. Even if the game gets to quarter, 20 goblins is enough to win this game if they are in the right spots and the Goblin King doesn't run away. And with how Matt was juggling the Jubble Goblin King's resources, I doubted that was going to happen. So, yeah, we fought it out. I managed to finally uh, get in up amongst the, the uh, mercenaries. And even when I did get up on top of the building that the mercenary, the ruin that the mercenaries were hiding in, they all just went, well, we got cave dweller, and then just ran around the side. So, yeah, let me tell you, trying to chase goblins around terrain features is absolutely a nightmare. And it, I had to bring the acolytes over and, like, drum to get extra models up and around. And, yeah, it became a very math-intensive game. Uh, towards the end here because we have had to keep track of how many models were in each quarter and eventually I managed to get one quarter with the double uncontested and luckily for me a whole slew of goblins in uh, the north uh, east corner all failed which meant I was able to bring in enough models I didn't capture the quarter but it meant that my opponent couldn't capture the quarter as well and yeah at the end of the day I got one quarter uh, uh, contested uh, uncontested one other quarter contested, and uh, unfortunately for Matt, he could only get the two quarters contested. Because, yeah, I hadn't lost a model. I even did the cheesy uh, dismount with the the, uh, the Emperor to get an extra six models on the table, which was actually absolutely massive in this game. Having those extra six models was, was literally the difference maker. It was the difference between winning this game and losing this game. Because I lose six models from any quarter that either flips it to a double for Matt or means that I don't capture that quarter. So... I was, I was glad that I had the presence of mind to, to drum and eventually dismount with the, the Emperor in that regard. So after whittling the, all these pesky goblins down, I managed to win the game 4-2 uh, at the end of the day. So yeah, this was an absolutely insane game, absolutely heart-stopping the whole time. Uh, me able to pick up those VPs in the, in the clutch situation at the end there. So uh yeah, 
managed to managed to get a win over 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 Matt Iverson and yeah into into round four. Now round four uh was a very interesting round because after playing one Iverson, the round draw decided to make me play the other Iverson. That's right, I was up against Evan and this game was a cerebral masterclass of what happens when two top tier masters levels players clash in a game and yeah well let me tell you the, the the moves the counter moves the feints everything was going on in this so we were playing the unique missions which is basically the missions where you want to kill and protect heroes and yeah i was up against the uh pizza dogador again azog white a couple of captains and thrain and evan evan knew what he was doing uh, we secretly picked our objectives, and it wasn't clear what Evan was going to go with at the start, but uh, Evan correctly called it. On turn two, there was a very critical priority, a priority that both of us wanted to lose. And luckily for me, I lost this priority, which meant Evan was forced to commit to either the right side or the left side of the table. Now, in the very center of the table, there is the uh, the stone statues of the trolls that Bilbo fought. The three trolls in stone form and they had like an area of difficult terrain around them. So it was just like this pseudo kind of bunker thing. It's kind of really bottling up and gunking up a lot of the table. So Evan decided to veer right and I decided to go left thinking I've got the drum, I'm moving very fast, I can catch up and pick off a few models and that's what I did. I basically chased all of these pesky uh, Orcsies around the table, my three archers were doing absolute, they were doing the god's work. Between the three of them, they got seven kills this game, which is kind of insane, uh, all things considered. Uh, anyway, uh, that aside, uh, they, they kept cha I kept chasing up the side, and eventually I got a really nice kill, kill lead. I was thinking I was up 12 kills uh, just to my one cataphract that Azog managed to hunt and pin down and I was even bunk it up in one of the terrain features on my side of the board. There was like this little ruined townhouse like you see in the movie. And I had the cave dragon and acolyte uh just kind of holed up in there, just being annoying, waiting for the opportunity where they could actually jump out and try and get their their feet and touching some objective markers. So anyway, ran in. I I was hyper focused because my the objective I needed to get uh, the train feature I needed to get was on the far left, basically as far into the left hand my opponent's uh, uh, corner as I could. So I wanted to cut a hole, and eventually the emperor, after uh, Evan decided to you know sacrifice a die here and you know go go into choke points and, and and gunk the whole table up, eventually I swiped out that whole side, and this is where I made what you know I I agree with Evan on this. I I think I made a little misplay. I was so paranoid about where as I could go, what he could do with his heroic combat, where does he go, that I didn't kind of have the presence of mind to realize the Emperor isn't worth anything in this game. I could just throw him forward and basically keep using him to check Azog because Evan's not going to really run away from his terrain feature without good cause. And my goal was to try and break without being broken, but I wasn't playing aggressive enough. I was trying to angle out, so I was getting all these throwing weapons. Like, I put the throwing weapons in this weird, difficult terrain to make it really hard for Azog to come in and take a good charge. And at the same time, gave me a good firing base where I could throw my throwing weapons, 
could not be charged because the difficult terrain will slow my opponent down just enough that they couldn't get in contact. So we kept trading back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and after a mammoth run around the board, we think I think we played like something like 32 turns in this game, I think it was. It was an insane amount of turns played. The drum was doing just, oh my god, the drum was like absolutely clutch in this game, just being able to pick up all of these extra bits of movement that I needed to keep Evan on his toes. And yeah, the, the to and fro with the priority and stuff. But eventually when I finally got Evan where I wanted him, boxed into the corner where I could finally nip at his heels and get in the combat and actually charge and, and try and break him, I had inspired all my time. We j I just couldn't finish it off. So at the end of the day, this game turned into a 6-6 six, six draw. Neither of us had killed or wounded any of our uh, 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 leaders. I I was trying to protect Brogear. My opponent was trying to protect the White Wag. So no points there. There was no way I was going um, um, my opponent was going to kill Brogear, nor was I able to get a real good shot at Fimble, aside from a few bow shots that kind of bounced off his... Uh, sorry, not Fimble, the Hunter or Captain, that just bounced off uh, uh, the Hunter or Captain's uh, armor. And... Yeah, I got my terrain fish, and unfortunately, the the Drake and the Acolyte decided to forget how to jump over obstacles and uh, not charge. So I couldn't get uh, anyone to put a footprint on the uh, objective Evan was trying to capture, which was in the far right corner of my deployment zone. So we were literally in diagonally opposite corners, which explained I should have been able to guess a little bit too, and and kind of figure out, but. Hey, them's the breaks, kids. Sometimes that happens. But this game was absolutely amazing. The, the amount of movement shenanigans, you know, setting up charges and then layering charges. So like, oh, Azov can come in here. But he's going to be out of uh, network with the rest of the army. He's not going to have support. Or, oh, you could bring forward Rotabi here. But she might cop an Azov to the face next turn. So there was a lot of these like little mini moments where we're trying to bait each other in. But neither of us were willing to take that bait. And actually run in uh, recklessly, nor was either of us in the position to, because of how much movement and stuff going around. And yeah, I kind of wish I had a, had a played a lot more aggressive. But you know what they say: you got to learn from your mistakes. Even draws, you still need to learn from your mistakes. So yeah, this was this was a great learning opportunity in this game, and me figuring out a little bit more of the limits of the Dragon Emperor. Because although I've been playing it for a bit now. Playing with Brogear has been a really different experience in terms of what I can and what I can't do. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing how we go with the rest of this uh, this tournament tomorrow. Three major wins and a draw is a good place to be sitting at. So, if we can snag a couple of wins tomorrow, I think we're in a really good place to have a run for the podium. So, yeah, looking forward to that. But I'll tell you what, I'm my brain is getting very foggy right now and I need to wrap this up. So, without further ado... Trap Swing Games, and I will see you all tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. Please be advised that the Green Dragon Podcast is not suitable for children, the elderly, pregnant women, those with a history of heart conditions, or anyone expecting to receive worthwhile advice. You can contact us on thegreendragonpodcasts at gmail.com. Yes, it has an S at the end. Or our Facebook page, The Green Dragon Podcast. We do not claim ownership of any works based on J.R.R. Tolkien, 
New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers, or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment. The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener, until we meet again.